morning. For those of you I haven't met yet, my name is Whitney. I serve here as the director of mission, and I'm really excited to be here this morning, if you can't tell. I have missed y'all, and this is very fun for me to be back. Y'all, today we're going to continue on in our study of the book of Hebrews. Last week, Thomas introduced us to our Revive series, looking at Hebrews 1, and this week we will be looking at Hebrews 2. We're going to just dive right on in. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Therefore, we must pay greater attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the message declared through angels was valid and every transgression or disobedience received a just penalty, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It was declared at first through the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard him. While God added his testimony by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we ask today that you would open up our hearts and our minds to what it is you have to teach us. Revive us this day, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the first thing I want to do is I want to remind us of the context of the book of Hebrews. Last week, Thomas introduced us to this. The book of Hebrews was written to a specific audience. It was written to Jewish Christians, and these believers had a shared struggle. They were trying to figure out how to navigate this collision that has happened between their culture and their faith. How do they move forward and navigate life with the culture and faith who, who don't go together? There's this movement to try to merge Christianity in with Judaism to see if it could be kind of a Jesus and type of a deal. That didn't work very well because Judaism teaches that we are saved by the law. That if we follow the law, if we obey the law, if we do everything by the law, then we can be saved. Christianity teaches that we are saved by grace through faith, not by works, by Jesus Christ alone. In Hebrews 1, the author is reminding these believers of the sufficiency of Christ, that he alone is enough, that they are not bound by the shackles of the law that they are not bound to have to keep the law. Not to say that the law is bad. The law is good, there are good parts of the law. It is good to not murder your neighbor. It is good to not commit adultery. It is good to honor your father and your mother, but those good things don't save us. The only thing that saves us is Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that is what the author is reminding them, trying to anchor them in this truth of the sufficiency of Christ. When we remember that, we are able to turn then to chapter two. I wanna read verse one to us one more time. Therefore, we must pay greater attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Anytime you're reading scripture and you see the word therefore, it's important to pay attention. To quote John Wasson, anytime you see the word therefore, you should ask yourself, what is the therefore, therefore? What is it doing? <laughs> right? I know it's a great, great quote, John. <laughs> what is it doing? Always, 
the, when you see the word therefore, it's always drawing together two ideas. And what it's doing in this particular verse is it's drawing together the idea of remember what you have heard, pay careful attention to it. What they have heard is anchoring themselves in the sufficiency of Christ. When they do that, they are far less likely to drift away. Drift is a really interesting word. It really caught my attention because it's an action, but it is an action that is entirely passive. It requires zero activity. You can do absolutely nothing, and you can drift pretty far while doing absolutely nothing. When I was in high school, I went to a youth group summer camp in South Padre Island, Texas. And we had conference in the morning and conference in the evening. But during the day, we just got free time out on the beach. So a group of friends and I all took inner tubes. And what we wanted to do was go out into the water and just pop up on our inner tubes and just spend the day floating out in the water. So we did. We just went out. We all popped up on our inner tubes. And we had the time of our life. We were out there for hours. And at some point, one of my friends said, it's so weird, we can't even see the hotels anymore. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> There's a current that runs, and we had floated all the way down the island to like completely unoccupied beach. It was terrifying. We looked up and panicked, so we hopped out of our tubes, made our way to the beach, and shortly after we got there, a truck pulled up that was like some kind of a park ranger type person. We were on like a protected land that we were not allowed to be on. And they were like, what happened? And we were like, we're high schoolers, we floated here. And y'all, we had drifted close to 10 miles from our hotel. And we'd done absolutely nothing. We just popped our feet up in our inner tube, yet we looked up and we had no idea where we were. It was scary. I think over the past 16 months, some of us have experienced that feeling of looking up and actually being really disoriented and not quite knowing where we were, experiencing a drift. We've experienced all kinds of different drifts. Some of us have experienced relational drift, where we kind of look up and some of our relationships are unrecognizable to us. Some of us, and this is a big one for me, have experienced a physical drift, where the habits that we had that kept us healthy had kind of fallen away. Suddenly one day you have to put on pants that aren't just stretchy pants, and it's a rude awakening when those pants don't fit. That happened to me, and it's okay. Physical drift has happened during COVID. And I think a lot of us have experienced spiritual drift. Church is back, we've kind of got some activities back and we are looking up and we actually have no idea where we are spiritually. We feel just lost. Today I'd like to offer three steps, if you will, for trying to identify if we've experienced drift and ways we can try to find our way back towards spiritual health. The first step is this, it's just important for us to find a marker, right? To kind of know where we are. How can we measure or mark? So for me, with my kind of journey with a physical drift, like the first marker was when I didn't have any pants that fit. So that was a pretty solid marker that I had experienced some drift. The second marker was I had to actually face the music, had to hop on the scale, see what it said. Wasn't my favorite thing to do, but I needed to do it so I could know where I was. A marker's important. It's the same thing for us spiritually. We need to try to find a marker. Maybe you're somebody that keeps a prayer journal. 
And so I would ask you to look at what are the last five times you wrote in your prayer journal? If it's been a while, you might have experienced some drift. Maybe you're somebody that's in a small group and your small group has started meeting again, yet you felt zero motivation to re-engage. You might have experienced some drift. Another way you can kind of measure this is ask yourself, when was the last time that you were in the habit of worshiping regularly, in person or virtually? When's the last time that was a part of your weekly rhythm? That can be a good measure of if you've experienced some drift. It's important for us to be able to mark where we are. The second step is it's, we gotta make a plan. You gotta make a plan. How do we get back there? So for me, with kind of my physical drift, had to get my nutrition back in place. I love Weight Watchers, so I just jumped right back on that program. I also knew that I had to get exercise back in place. I love my gym, so once it reopened, I was back there three to four times a week doing this plan to try to get myself back to where I know I need to be, where I feel my best. The same is true for us spiritually. We've got to have a plan. Let's say you're the person with the prayer journal. Make a goal of writing one sentence of gratitude a day. That's a great place to start. Maybe you're the person that's having a hard time re-engaging in your small group. Call one person, just one person. Reach out to one person from your small group. Have a phone call, go to lunch. See if that doesn't help you to re-engage. Maybe the question of when is the last time you were regularly worshiping got your attention. Maybe it's time to start getting back in that habit. When I did youth ministry, we had a three-week rule that we often shared with parents who were trying to get their students engaged in youth ministry. What we'd seen was if a student in a family would commit to three weeks, coming to three weeks in a row of programming, Often by week four, a student felt known, they felt connected and motivated to step back in, to step into the program, to stay and be a part of it. In the same way, the most active student, if they missed three weeks, that student felt disconnected. They didn't want to come back if they missed three weeks in a row. The same is true for us. Many of us haven't been together to worship in 16 months. Of course it feels weird to come back. Of course it feels off. I think that for some of us uh, during COVID, we looked at our schedules and we saw that maybe we had some extra fluff in there that didn't need to be in there. So we felt the freedom to kind of trim the fat of some extracurricular activities. But I want to remind us that worshiping regularly is not an extracurricular activity. It is a spiritual discipline that is vital to the health of the Christian. I encourage you, commit to three weeks. See if you don't start to feel that rhythm building back for you and your family. The third thing, uh, the third step we need to do is you need to follow your plan, but I want you to do it through a lens of grace. It's easy when we finally kind of realize that maybe we've experienced drift to sit in some shame. I want to remind us that shame is never helpful. It's never helpful. It's easy for us to say maybe, I'm too far gone. There's no way I can get back to where I, God's, I'm a lost cause to God. I want to remind us that ours is a God that is in the business of chasing after lost things. We see this all throughout the Gospels, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Ours is a God who faithfully 
goes after lost things and walks us faithfully back to where we want to be. I recently was on the um, Lamplighters podcast, and they asked us to share what our favorite scripture is. And I shared that one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 139. I love it because at one point, David is talking about how he, how can he get away from God? He asked this question, how can I get away from your spirit? He says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Kind of this idea that there is no distance that is too far to get away from God. But then he goes into this next part. He talks about maybe he can hide from God. He says, even if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. This idea that he can just hide from God. But then he goes on to say, and listen to this, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night will shine as bright as day. Friends, no matter how far we feel we've drifted, no matter how dark of a shadow we feel we may be lost in, ours is a God who darkness is not even dark to. As we go into this week and you consider if you've experienced some drift, I want us to come back to the first thing we talked about, this anchoring ourselves in the sufficiency of Christ, that if we will anchor ourselves there, we are far less likely to experience drift. And when we do drift, thanks be to God, he is faithful to chase after us. And that is really good news. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you faithfully chase us, that you go after us. We ask, Father, that as we notice if we've drifted, God, that we would notice it through a lens of grace and that you would begin the work of reviving our spirit. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.